0: hello and welcome back to our global tech small podcast we're excited for our first episode of 2023 and thought it would be the perfect time to discuss the global policy landscape for the coming year we'll be talking through rules and regulations related to privacy competition connected health and more in the eu uk and us we'll also be discussing the potential intended and unintended consequences of these regulations and what this means for small businesses and enterprises across the world but before we say hello to the rest of our global policy team Anna, I think you have something to tell our listeners.
1: Yes, that sounds so ominous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this is my last episode as a permanent host on TechSwamp, but the good news is this is not a goodbye, it's just a I'll see you later, and I'll be back as often as you need me to fill our listeners in on policy issue areas, and I'll keep keeping our members up to date whenever the need exists for me to do that.
0: Yeah, it'll be excited to, like, exciting to have you as a, as a guest on future episodes. And while we're sad to be saying see you later to Anna, we're excited to welcome Stephen to the podcast as a permanent host. Hey, Stephen, welcome officially to the pod.
2: Oh, officially hello. Yeah, it's really exciting to be joining <laughs> it all the way from the, uh, from the UK. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Now that the exciting news has been covered, let's say hey to the rest of our global podcast team. Brad, how's it going?
3: Hello, hello, hello.
4: Three hellos, big day. Um, and Caitlin, <laughs> um, Caitlin, what's up? Per usual, I am membership chillin'. I hope so.
0: I hope so. Um, and of course, <laughs> I'm Alex. Um, so before we cover the global policy landscape for 2023, we're gonna talk tech history and the top global tech headlines. Curious about what the month of January has given us in terms of tech history? I was too. Here's a list of notable tech-adjacent history, tech history specifically. All right, January 1st, 1985, that's 38 years ago, the internet's domain system was created and .com was born. January 3rd, 1983, which was 40 years ago, uh, Time names the computer as the man of the year, which we now call person of the year. January 9th, 2009, 14 years ago, not really history, but kind of history, Bitcoin launched. Um, Then we've got January 22nd, 1984, which was 39 years ago, Apple launched the Macintosh computer. January 30th, 1982, 41 years ago, the first computer virus was written. Um, And the rest is tech history. And now on to Bites and Brews. Anna, Brad, Caitlin, and Steven, what
1: is going on in the news? This week, the Swedish presidency of the EU Council released their compromise text of the Data Act, which includes various revisions. Updates to the text aim to clarify the regulation's scope and extends business to government, also called B2G data sharing obligations, to micro and small companies for public emergencies. The text also includes elements on how to assess reasonable compensation for releasing data, extends the fairness check to all contractual arrangements, and adds a transparency obligation for cloud services. Leaders plan to discuss changes to the text at this week's Telecom Working Party meeting. Member state delegations have until February 3rd to provide additional feedback on the proposed rule. For more information, head to the show notes.
3: After a delayed start, members of the House and Senate have determined their leadership roles and are beginning to govern. The House is led by Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who won the nomination after 15 rounds of voting. With leadership determined in both chambers, committee appointments have been passed out and hearings have begun. As a reminder, the 118th Congress is split with the House being Republican controlled and the Senate led by Democrats.
4: And speaking of congressional hearings, you may have seen representatives from Ticketmaster and Live Nation take to the Hill this week to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. The three-hour hearing set out to determine if Live Nation holds a monopoly on the industry and seemed to unite both Democrat and Republican senators. The hearing was inspired by events from November 2020, which I'm sure we all remember, when fans failed to secure tickets for Taylor Swift's upcoming Eras Tour during the presale, causing Ticketmaster to cancel the general sale and leaving fans across the world ticketless and pointing the finger at Live Nation. Despite the general consensus from all members of the committee, that action does need to happen in this space, that the hearing ended without a clear solution outlined. For more takeaways on this hearing, including proposed solutions, head to the show notes.
2: So earlier this month, senior representatives from the UK and the US governments met for the inaugural meeting of the US-UK Comprehensive Dialogue on Technology and Data. The discussions focused on three areas, data, critical and emerging technologies, and secure and resilient digital infrastructure leaders focused on ways to collaborate on secure data flows between the two countries and how to strengthen ai technical standard development through joint research and information sharing for more on what leaders discussed you can make your way to the show notes on our website
0: and that's all for what's brewing As we mentioned earlier, we're talking through rules and regulations related to privacy, competition, Web3, connected health, and more in the EU, UK, and US, as well as the potential intended and unintended consequences of these regulations for small businesses and enterprises across the world. Um, Before we dive into the issue, Brad, can you talk to us about why it might be a good idea for a business owner, particularly a small business owner, to kind of keep a pulse on the world of public policy?
3: Sure, well, you know, I'll start by saying that I could probably occupy an hour of this podcast (laughs) just talking about all the reasons that that businesses should be interested in the work that we do here at ACT, but I think I can sum it up in a couple points as hard as it will be. Uh, We we know that our member companies are so focused on growing their business that they don't have time to keep up with forthcoming regulatory and legislative decisions and and how they'll impact the way that uh, small businesses do business. This is where we come in, making sure our members are aware of anything coming down the line that they need to be aware of. Also being based in DC means a lot of the work that we do is based in policy advocacy, right? We write legal filings and have meetings with members of Congress and their staff every day so that our members don't have to. However, when our members do have the time and and resources to dedicate to our advocacy efforts, we're tremendously appreciative as it means a lot more to a policymaker to hear from actual businesses with that boots on the ground experience rather than just another trade association. Uh, To finish my thought up, I think the two reasons why policy engagement should be on every small business owner's radar. First, there really are quite a few instances where policy will have a direct impact on the cost of doing business, both you know, near-term, I think specifically, uh, tax issues, consumer privacy legislation, competition, but there's also the, the long-term sector-wide policy initiatives that uh, really benefit everyone, uh, in, including improving broadband infrastructure and, and developing a workforce for the 21st century.
0: Totally agree. And small businesses really drive a lot of economies. So it's just important for them to have a voice with policymakers. Um, And you alluded to this already, but when it comes to policy issue areas and the economy, there really isn't one that's more top of mind for our members than privacy and encryption. Um, Between the absence of a national privacy law in the United States, compliance burdens in the European Union Cyber Resilience Act, or the CRA, um, and general data protection regulation, which is GDPR, and then in the United Kingdom, revising its version of the GDPR and related data privacy laws developers who create technology on a global scale face conflicting and confusing rules and regulations everywhere. Um, So, Stephen, when you look at conflicting rules for something as personal as data privacy, what do you see as the biggest risk for our members and the customers that they're hoping to serve?
2: It's, It's a really important topic. And actually, a lot of our members in the UK are set up specifically to tackle privacy and, and data issues we we work quite closely with cybersecurity groups and some of our members are you know designing products that ha- prevent for example vulnerable people getting targeted by scams by by having extra secure communications right and um yeah privacy security and encryption are crucial components to a safer internet and a successful app economy people want to be able to trust that their data is safe and secure when they when they put it into their phones and our members, you know, they try and build privacy and security into their products um, that with privacy by design. And they rely on platform-provided tools to do this. And innovators are on the front lines of ensuring data privacy and promoting the responsible use of data for their customers and securing personal data against unauthorized access. And, you know, I think if if you really consider how widely you, you put your data into things, it's no surprise that for our members keeping it safe is of, of paramount importance you know it's not just your email address if you buy things through an app it's your home address or your telephone number so it's, it's very important indeed and as as you mentioned before alex um so the uk doesn't have a national privacy law so the US doesn't have a national privacy law. Over here in the UK, we're in the process of working out the details of our own GDPR because of Brexit. We're thinking about doing things ever so slightly differently. The conflicts are confusing for any business. And particularly if you're a small business, you have a million and one things to worry about and you know, conflicting regulations that are of that are about something as important as privacy, you know, it's it's not what you need. And what are Businesses that we work with want to do is to comply with these regulations. They want to keep their consumers safe. They want to keep them. Um, they want to keep their data secure, and they need regulations that are easy to follow so that they can do that. And that's why we're urging global leaders to support strong encryption and consider all aspects of current and pending rules like GDPR, CRA, uh, whatever the UK comes up with to follow GDPR as well.
0: I think that's it's especially important as lawmakers in the US begin to harmonize the evolving state and federal privacy laws so that businesses of all sizes can afford the cost of compliance while um, while protecting their customers. Um, And I feel like we can't talk about privacy without also talking about competition and platforms. Competition really is the cornerstone of innovation in the global app economy. Uh, Small businesses are able to become industry leaders by harnessing the power of technology to move quickly and create life-changing products in a way that captivates consumers. But in order to reach customers around the globe with those products, many small to medium-sized developers um, rely on the scale of large platforms to deliver their products securely. So, Anna, what can we expect in 2023 when it comes to the state of competition regulation? And and does this conflict with what our members want?
1: Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot going on in 2023. In the EU, we've seen so much activity with the DMA and the DSA, the Digital Markets Act and Digital Services Act, right? They, they've they been developing and refining for the past 3 years and they finally went into force in um in late 2022 and now we're in this this implementation phase and that will be probably the most important phase because you can, you know, write a law however you want to, but then it really depends on how it's going to uh, work in practice and how it's going to be enforced. Um, And so we want to be a critical part of this um, implementation phase so we can make sure that small businesses like our members can continue to compete in the app economy. And This year, the European Commission is is holding a lot of different workshops that focus on different aspects of the practical implementation of the DMA. So in December, well, this was actually last year, but in December, they held the first one, which was um, dedicated to self-preferencing and how they can. Well, first, how self-preferencing is an issue and then how the DMA's provisions can work practically to limit self-preferencing on platforms. And then the next one is coming up at the end of February, and that will be on requirements for interoperability and um, address also some of the more technical questions. So that includes the encryption of messaging services and other security aspects. Um, It'll cover personal data collection, the identification of users, the quality of the interoperable services and um, system management and the integrity of, of services and how that integrity can be preserved while making the service interoperable. And then on March 6th, we'll have the third workshop and the App Association is actually going to be participating as a panelist in this workshop um, because it's focusing on App Store specifically. So stay tuned for more information. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's open to the public so you can register online and also watch our session. We'll make sure to put a link um, in the show notes for that. And like I said, the workshop will focus on app stores and more specifically, it'll focus on issues around um, in-app payment systems, steering, um, consumption only apps, web-based apps, um, the issue of sideloading, which we've covered many times on this podcast, um, as well as alternate app stores and um FRAND conditions of access to app stores. And FRAND is something that we've covered in the context of standard essential patents. Um, But in this context, um, the commission wants access to app stores to be done on a fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory basis. And that's actually the panel that um, we'll be speaking on as well. So like I said, stay tuned for more details. But yeah, we, we expect a lot more of these workshops to take place beyond March. And we'll keep you all posted on what they cover and what comes out of them. And then that's it for the EU for now, I would say. Um, But in the US, there's also a lot going on and competition enforcers are pushing the boundaries of current law and companies with a global presence are facing conflicting, confusing, and potentially harmful rules, regulations, and enforcement actions, right? If you're a US business that operates in the EU, you might have two different, very complex sets of rules to contend with. And so a lot of this, conflicts with the environment that is best for our members. And Steven said this earlier, but our small business members, SMEs, they often don't have the same resources that large corporations have to comply with different regulations. And in the case of competition, many SMEs rely on the digital infrastructure that platforms provide. And changing that ecosystem that they operate in threatens the security of those platforms, right? And that then threatens the security of our members so it could put their innovation um, at risk. And so, yeah, if if policymakers around the world want to support small businesses, they should really focus on encouraging competition through a more restrained enforcement approach that respects the consumer benefits that the platforms generate, while also continuing to monitor tech-driven marketplaces to ensure that competition remains fair for enterprises of all sizes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's an issue that we're going to monitor very closely because it's still, um, honestly, a global issue. So it's going to be super important. Um, Switching gears a little, but this is in, this is another issue our members regularly mention that and and that one is workforce development. Um so like many of our issues, this is absolutely one that transcends borders and it affects our members and innovation everywhere. So, Caitlin, can you talk to us about the intersection here between workforce development and diversity, equity, and inclusion?
4: Absolutely. And it's so crucial to to mention that these are very intertwined. Um, and so, for our members to continue driving change um, and innovating within the app economy they're fully dependent on the next generation of the workforce to make that happen and as alex just said you know issues around diversity equity inclusion and workforce development transcend borders and impact innovation and achievement regardless of a company's location or size um, the gap in representation and inequities in our industry um, only amplify you know, a worldwide workforce development and computer science education issue that could put the global app economy at a major disadvantage. Um, something that uh, we've talked about with our members and is something that I know that we're passionate about at the App Association is diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and developing our workforce um, with an inclusive and intersectional workforce is crucial um, to creating safe technology for everyone to use. And so something that our members are, are looking to do um, or looking to see happen is um, public-private partnerships. So seeing government officials and business leaders acting together as a united front to create and promote diverse, equitable, and inclusive computer science education and workforce development programs. Um, we have Have two things that have occurred at the app association that are occurring at the app association that are related to this, Um, and it is our workforce revolution event that happened in West Virginia, and our upcoming code a career event. Um, that's taking place literally this week um, in Louisiana. We're very excited for these. But basically, these kinds of events are where we're seeing industry leaders and government officials come together to talk about um, what our industry is doing well and what our industry can do to be better. Um, And that includes um, programs and events and grants um, to inspire and promote um, a diverse workforce. Um, so we're really excited um, to call upon governments um, as a united front um, and advocate um, for programs like this um, that that extend beyond what government leaders can do and really call upon industry leaders as well.
0: Absolutely. Getting kids excited about STEM education and STEAM education is... Um pretty much the best and critical to our future. So uh, we're gonna continue working on that one. Um, And before we sign off here, we can't forget to mention the digital health transformation really being led by our members. So this is in the traditional digital space that we know and expanding rapidly to the world of Web3 and blockchain. Um, Brad, what what matters most to connected health innovators right now?
3: That's a great question. As you reference, you know, connected health technology is revolutionizing the world of healthcare with our members driving this change on a global scale. uh, They're certainly able to be much more agile than many legacy health companies. And it, it leads to a lot of the true innovation happening. As we continue to see advances made in digital medicine related to better patient outcomes leaders driving change in digital medicine are reliant on a modern medical and regulatory infrastructure to innovate safely and this is starting to include a lot of innovation through the blockchain and web3 as well for example our member company easy labs is a healthcare blockchain company that works to give patients access to their own data and also gamify that situation with tokens, rewarding them uh, for engaging with and creating their healthcare data. In the future, those tokens will then be able to be used to pay for medical care through telemedicine companies that partner with the platform, which is a pretty cool, cool little and innovative platform. I I had not heard many um, applications like that before talking to them, and it's pretty neat uh policymakers and other leaders around the world should support the inclusion of connected health solutions and remotely gathered data in care settings by supporting regulatory proposals that enhance privacy, security and interoperability for digital health tools. This will ensure their continued growth leading to improved health outcomes for patients everywhere. This also means creating a safe space for blockchain to be applied in the healthcare context with things like regulatory sandboxes. Regulatory sandboxes replicate a real-life environment for technologists who want to test their ideas without running afoul of existing legal and regulatory frameworks. This gives them a place to safely test their products without fear of legal ramifications, something that is particularly helpful when you're trying to replicate an environment that has uh, conflicting rules and regulations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, healthcare uh, and connected uh, health technology, it's, it's such a big area um, and i think as many of you probably know we uh, we even have an entire vertical uh at act dedicated to health work and we can uh include the website for chi in our show notes um it's it's super important that we're making sure that we're supporting digital innovators in the health space because i think as we saw during 2020 especially um there are a lot of ways that people need to access health care and hopefully digital spaces will be one of them um, So throughout the podcast, we've been talking about policy and innovation, right? And I think clearly they're intrinsically linked. Um, And what's important to remember is that overly broad or burdensome regulation can stall innovation, but it's... it's equally as important for innovators to have good regulatory guardrails to ensure the safety of consumers. So we, we really look forward to working with global leaders and policymakers on these critical issues um, with and for you, our members. Um, so if you're interested in learning more about the global policy priorities of our small businesses in the app economy, um, we're going to have a ton of links in our show notes, including our letter to global leaders on the issues that we just, just discussed, uh, and even more. And now it's time for Random Identifier. Anna, since it's your last
1: one, you are up first. That's a lot of pressure. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine's going to be uh, short and sweet. Um, my random identifier is that I'm very excited that the sun goes down after 5 p.m. again. Right, <laughs> Huge fan of daylight, and it really improves my quality of life when yes. I can go for a little walk after work, right? <laughs> and it's not dark outside. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited about that. I cannot wait for sunsets to happen after 6 p.m. again in just 33 more days. Yes, I looked this up March 1st. <laughs> is the first time the sun will go down at 6.01 p.m. <laughs> You're going to start a countdown. So, yes, <laughs> I actually might, honestly. <laughs> That's the better days we always talk about, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <when laughs> better days are coming. <laughs> 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 um, Brad, how about you? What do
0: you have for us?
3: Of course. the The band that I have slated to talk about today is called Bird and Byron. Uh, they're a brand new band out of Nashville, and they don't have all that much information out there about them yet. But I get the sense that they're a couple guys who have been playing in sessions and touring bands for years who have just now decided to do their own thing. Uh, the music is a lot more polished than the bands I tend to listen to. But their debut EP that they just put out like last month called How Love Grows, uh, six songs that all sound remarkably different from one another. It's it's definitely indie rock with some really strong vocals and interesting guitar work, uh, but mm. still in the vein of highly digestible pop music. Definitely recommend them because it's super easy listening and the EP is only 17 minutes long, so you don't even have to commit for that long.
0: Nice, love that, love that. Um, plus a strong EP can often be a signal for something great. Tis true. Tis true. Um, Caitlin, what about you? You're next.
4: Well, um, I'm very excited to talk about Succession (laughs) for the 50th time this week (laughs) (laughs) because it is uh, my latest obsession. I obviously am on the bandwagon like a little late because the show debuted years ago. Um, but I'm kind of happy that I did it this way because I'm able to binge a lot of it, but then also a new season is coming out. So, um, I'm not going to like sit here and talk about how much I love Kendall or (laughs) anything like that. Um, and how I am worried about what that means for me emotionally, but, um, my DMS are open to all succession fans. Um, I want to talk about it all the time, so you know what to do it's linear on all platforms it's
1: funny because when you like said you're happy that you're so late so you can binge it it's also helpful because no one's like talking about it and spoils it for you
4: yeah that's true like when
1: you talk about certain things i'm like i don't even remember to be honest <laughs> like, so like i'm not gonna accidentally spoil things for you and no one on twitter will either because no one's tweeting about it right now
4: yeah, okay, actually Loki though I did see I saw a screenshot of I think it looks like Connor gets married <laughs> um to that uh... lady. I saw a screenshot of him at an altar with her with a wedding dress on. And so right. I saw that on Twitter and I was like, Oh, well that's a spoiler.
1: Honestly, I don't even know what you're talking about right now, so <laughs> Oh well
4: maybe I just gave you a spoiler.
1: <laughs> or maybe I need to pay more attention when I watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a warning on this
4: episode, Succession, spoiler, maybe, question mark, question mark. Three years later. (laughs) That's
0: the other good thing about, like, the fact that there's a new season coming out, though, is that, like, if you happen to spend, like, an entire Saturday watching Succession, you can be like, no, 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 it's just that I'm, like, caught up in time for the new season. You know what I mean? Like, it gives you, it gives you an immediate, like, yeah, you can It's
4: like how people meal prep. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: You're just getting ready (laughs) for something.
3: Just like that. Yeah. Just like that.
0: (laughs) Um, Stephen, how about you? What's on your mind for your first random identifier as a permanent host?
2: Yeah, so for my f- uh, first random identifier, I'm going to sort of combine being a bit sentimental with a product review from something that was launched in 2017. Because I'm cutting edge it. like that. <laughs> 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 um, so uh, recently, I got a Nintendo Switch, and it was okay. um, it was a really good reminder of like, how technology can sort of genuinely. Bring people together because at one, it's got some really clever bits in there that make games easier to play if you're a kid or whatever. And so there's one point where you know I was playing Mario Kart with me and my wife and my five year old little boy and my eighty uh, year old mother, and we're all playing the same oh game gosh. and having a great time together. Yeah, it's lovely. And it's one of those things where you sort of forget that um, technology does all these amazing and wonderful things, but. It can be quite nice and bring people together and, you yeah, to, know, to play a game together that if there wasn't all of the sort of the clever things in the backgrounds leveling the playing field, it wouldn't be possible. So, yeah, shout out to Nintendo for, uh, for making our Christmas a lot more fun than it would have otherwise been. <laughs> I love
0: that. I love that. Um, plus Mario Kart is like objectively delightful game to play so oh yeah Um, yeah yeah for (laughs) sure fun for the whole family um (laughs) my ooh, okay this is a great tie-in to my random identifier because my random identifier is related to family because I started uh watching a show called Yellowstone (laughs) it's a show based in Montana um although Chelsea is recently informing that the first season was not filmed in Montana um so now I feel bad except now I guess it is filmed in Montana at least partially um I don't even know why I got into this show I just like needed something to watch and it was like on Peacock and I was like why not I'll try it and then I just got immediately sucked in I've watched the whole like I'm caught up except that there's now um a season that was airing but it's interesting because you so like even if you have Paramount plus you can't watch the current season on there because Peacock has the streaming rights. And so you have to either have the channel or you just have to wait for it to be on Peacock. So I did the opposite of what Caitlin's doing where I watched it all thinking that I was preparing to watch the current season and now I cannot watch the current season. So we'll see how it goes because I am chomping at the bit to get to watch it. Um, It left a little bit of a cliffhanger for me and I am not handling particularly well.
1: (laughs) That's why they make those. (laughs) I know. It worked. And I'm pretty mad about it. (laughs) They got you. Yeah.
0: All right, folks. That is it for our Global Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode
1: that include links to all the good stuff. And we now have transcripts available. You can find them in our show notes as well as on Podscribe.com. Just
3: search Tech Swamp. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And, of course, we'd love a rate review. Five stars, please.
0: Indeed. And that is all for today, folks. Thank you for listening to this global episode of Tech Swamp. Everyone, say bye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>